Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Matthew chapter 1 and verses 20 to 23. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, to Joseph, in a dream and said, Joseph, Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and will call him Emmanuel. Someone say Emmanuel, which means God with us. Lord, we're thankful that you are with us. Thank you that you're not just the God of history, but that you're the God of our present. Thank you that you're not just the God out there, but that you're the God uh, right here inside of us if we follow you. Thank you, Lord, that you are not just a story, you're not just myths and, and things like that, but that you came, you died, you, bear, you were buried, and you rose again in newness of life to make a way for us. And we celebrate Jesus today. Amen and amen. I don't know if you've noticed this, but uh, if, if you're married or if you're in a friend group, there's some people who you're always waiting on. Is that true? How many of you have someone in your life that you're usually waiting on? Look around. Don't look around. <laughs> now, here's the other side of it. How many of you are the one that people are waiting for? Just put your hand up. Get honest right now. Yeah. Sunday morning. We're going to be there for 10 o'clock. This is going to be the week. At 10 o'clock, you're having that last sip of your coffee. It happens. We're, waiting is something that we do all the time. But how many of, actually, of, of us like to wait for someone else? Let's leave it at that. But there was a Timex, ironically, that used to have a, watches and things like that. They did a survey and they found that every time you visit a doctor, you're 32 minutes, you have to wait an average of 32 minutes. It is the one thing that if you're late for them, they have a threat on the door. If you don't, you will be canceled and you'll be charged a cancellation fee. One of these times, I'm going to go to the doctor and say, bro, it's 32 minutes past. We're going to make another appointment, but I'm charging you $100. How many would do that? Like right now? Yeah. We love you doctors. If you're watching, you're in here but it's real. Okay. <laughs> Average wait in a security line is 28 minutes at, a, at, a, at an airport. I don't know who this is applying to, but you wait. If you have a significant other that you're used to waiting on, it's an average of 21 minutes. Some of you are looking at me like, bro, that would be a miracle if it was only that long. <laughs> the average person will spend about 43 days on hold with an automated customer service in your lifetime. 43 days. Big cities, which Surrey is becoming, you will wait in traffic more than 50 hours a year. Everybody just groan together, like, come on. <sighs> Those who take the bus will wait about 27 days of your life for the bus to come. And if you're, near, if you're in Surrey, you're like, it's not, it's way more than that. 27 days this year, like what's happening? Now, sometimes waiting is fun. Uh, we have our 
uh, daughter and son-in-law live in a suite in our, in our basement. And right now is the season of Advent. And it's not enough that she has her own Advent calendar downstairs. She got to have one upstairs. And so every morning you hear the, hey, Windsor, it's Windsor, chocolate, chocolate time. And up she comes up the stairs, she can't wait. It's Windsor, I'm here, it's chocolate time. It's chocolate time. And Shanda had, uh, uh, I made a advent calendar for Shanda filled with stuff. And that is now not enough that Windsor has her own. When Shanda opens her advent calendar, that is also Windsor's. Because she can't help it. She's just been waiting for that day. When it snowed, she said, it's Christmas. Let's open the presents. She's waiting. Anticipation. And waiting can be fine when you're waiting to go to those relatives at Christmas. You're like, I don't mind waiting a little longer. Wait. So I'm not, none of my relatives email me. Like, I'm not thinking of you. It's all right. It's fine when you're waiting for your income tax refund to come. Waiting is fine when it's that date that you've been waiting for. And the person, instead of being there, just says, thank you. They don't come. Waiting. We talked about two weeks ago that Jesus is not just bringing peace. He is peace. And how important that peace with God is. Last week, Daniel talked about having peace with one another. And peace is this seemingly wonderfully beautiful thing that becomes elusive at times. And I want to talk today about peace when you're waiting. 2003, I suddenly out of the blue had began to have severe migraines. And I went to the doctor and he said, I think we need to order some tests for you. And what happens in Canada, we're thankful that we have the medical system, but sometimes you wait. And so we waited. And this is from the springtime, and I'd wait for tests, and wait for this test, an MRI, a CAT scan, and all different kinds of things. And I was in Victoria, and I had been waiting for this test, and finally it was here, and I was sitting outside, ready to get put into the rabbit hole of the MRI machine, and I just started to cry. I was 32 years old, and I was waiting but I was not waiting in faith. I was waiting, what is wrong with me? Will I be there for my children when they grow up? I'm waiting and I'm waiting in fear and I'm waiting with anxiety. And I, they said, I, I said, I'm not sure if I'd like to want to go into this machine. They said, I think it'll be fine. And they put me in there and I'm, I don't like closed spaces. And if you've ever been in an MRI machine, it's a closed space. They put something over my face and pushed me in there and it started and I just, they said, if you don't like it, just like tap or call out. And I, they slid in there and right away I'm like, get me out right now. So then they slipped a little thing under my tongue and I went and I had a good time. <laughs> 45 minutes like that. Suddenly waiting was just fine, I didn't know. But the waiting wasn't in vain. Because here I am today, thankful to God. God did a wonderful miracle of healing in my, in my brain. I had some issues going on. I still have issues going on, but not those ones. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes your answer hasn't come yet. Sometimes your promise is still 
seemingly on hold or waiting for it. The disease that is in remission, you're just waiting, but you're waiting, is it going to come back again? Your loved one that's far from Christ, the job situation that you had hoped would change by now still hasn't. Healing for your struggling marriage, you're waiting as you battle depression, you're waiting as you're single and hopeful, but nothing seems to be happening. Because waiting is not easy, and especially not easy when you feel like you're waiting on God, the one who could do whatever he wants. Has anyone ever felt like you've been waiting on God for some time? Not sure if he hears, not sure if he listens, not sure that he may or may not have forgotten you. You know and believe that he hears others, but you're not so sure about you. And as we open the scripture with this morning, it references both the moment when Jesus was coming, but it also refers to some old prophecies out of Isaiah. Because Christmas is about waiting. God, God's people waiting. And God's people have been waiting right back to the beginning in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve were there and they had sinned against God and God, they came to God and, 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 and God in that moment in verse three of, of chapter three promises this weird phrase. He said, the seed of the woman would one day come and crush the head of the serpent that is the enemy of our souls. Thousands of years ago was promised. And then God's people waited. And we fast forward to the passage we read today, which is 926 chapters later, they had been waiting for Jesus to come. 700 years before his birth, though, it was prophesied, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, God promised to send a savior, but God's people waited. Can anyone relate to waiting? But just prior to that moment when Jesus came, there was a period of time between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament called the intertestamental period, a period where there is no recorded revelation from God, where seemingly God was silent. All through history, he had been speaking through the prophetic. The, the Savior is coming. The seed of the woman is coming. Jesus is coming. He's going to be called Emmanuel. He's going to be called Wonderful Counselor. And there was all these thousands of years of joyful, hopeful, waiting, anticipation of it's going to come. He's going to come. And then silence for 400 years. And isn't it true that there are times in our life where we feel like God is completely silent that there's nothing from God about what he has promised. God, are you out there? Can you give me a sign? Can you show me that you know what's going on in my life? Where are you? You're silent. You don't seem to be answering. Do you know that I'm here? And just because God feels silent doesn't mean God is absent. I'm going to show you what was happening in those seven or those 400 years. While you are waiting God is working. And throughout the scripture, we can see this, that the timing of God, and, and we see it happening at Christmas specifically in Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. In other words, 
the set time, the right time, God sent his son to redeem us. This word means, this set time means the full measure, the perfect time. One version calls it the fullness of time. Another says, when the right time came. The word of the, that was used there was also used to when someone is fully pregnant, ready to give birth. The changing of a season, a new session was inaugurated many years ago now. I can remember when we discovered that Shanda was pregnant with Alexandra and we were excited and it was wonderful, but we didn't see a baby. We didn't hear a baby. We didn't know what she looked like, but we knew and we were waiting that she would come. We didn't even know what gender she was. Back in those days, they didn't tell us. Probably didn't have the machines. It was still that long ago. But there came a moment when Shanda looked at me and said, Craig, it's time. The time has come and arrived and we scurried off to the hospital and after many, many hours and, and her life almost being lost, we received the changing of, in the fullness of time, the baby named Alexandra. And in the scripture, the people of God have been waiting for centuries. The seed of the woman will come. A virgin will conceive and will give birth to a son and will call him. His name will be Emmanuel. In another place in Isaiah, it says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Redeemer is coming. And they were waiting in anticipation. But when was the right time? When the time was right, at the perfect moment, God sent Jesus as the Savior of the world. Why was it the right time? In that 400 years where it seemed like nothing was happening, here's what was happening. During that period of time, Alexander the Great conquered most of the world and made a universal language that everybody learned called Greek, Koine Greek. All across the whole world, people retained their native tongue, but they also spoke Greek because it was the language of the culture. The Old Testament that had only been in Hebrew was translated into that common language called the Septuagint for the first time. A new way of learning called the Socratic method, which where people were encouraged to ask questions. And later on, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, the Italians, along the, the Roman roads and the commerce systems helped facilitate the movement of ideas and people. And the people of God, the Israelites, had been scattered all throughout the world. So all that was happening in those 400 years. What's the point? Well, for the first time, everyone could read the Bible in their own language, in a language that they could understand. For the first time, people were encouraged to ask questions. For the first time, there were high-quality, safe roads, which the gospel could travel on all throughout the known world at that time. The point is, is that all of these developments were used by God, were part of his plan, when nothing seemed to be happening. But at that time, a man was sent through Jesus, but the people around were totally unaware of what God was orchestrating all through that time. Christ came not a moment too soon. He came not a moment too late. He came at the right time, the set time, when people's hearts would be able to grasp and hear the message of the Savior Jesus, the one who had been prophesied. And think about this. If God can work all of human history and arrange that, so that when Jesus came, people would hear, would understand, and be able to receive him. If God can orchestrate for 400 years human history, could he not, 
Is he not capable of working on your behalf, of doing things that you're unaware of right now in your life about what he has promised for you? I'm not sure. All of human history being ordered for this one moment for a savior to come, he can handle what, you're, what he's promised you. And looking back, it's easy to see why God waited. Looking back, it's easy to see why it was the perfect time, why God's timing was perfect. But sometimes in the middle of the waiting, we don't have the perspective to be able to look back and see how it all came together. We're just waiting. But it's instructive for us and helps us to wait well. Because while we're waiting, God is working. Just because God feels silent doesn't mean God is absent. And if you're waiting, you're in good company. Because all through scriptures, people waited after God promised. Abraham, you can see in Genesis, the early book, Abraham is the father of, of it all, of our faith. And he was called out, said to go from one place to a land that God would show him. And God said, I'm going to make out of you a great nation. And you're going to have a baby. And all this is going to happen. And Abraham says, amazing, this is going to be great. In 25 years, he waited. And then Isaac was born. We see the story in Genesis, beginning in Genesis chapter 37 of a man named Joseph who God had promised one day you're going to rule and you're going to have influence. It's going to be amazing. And then he waited about 13 years. We see in the New Testament a woman suffering with an issue of blood or hemorrhaging and had waited for 12 years, spent everything she had on a doctor. We see another man who had been lame for 38 years and waiting because, but God's delays are not necessarily God's denials. While you're waiting, God is working. May, while you're waiting for an answer, for a miracle, for a job, for the promise that God has given you, for a shift of your situation, maybe it's not ready, but God's still working on it. My son-in-law, Dalton, about a decade ago, uh, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And he's been battling it ever since. Some, sometimes it's going really well and other times it's not. And he's praying and believing and asking God to move and heal. And he's waiting. And this past week on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday, he got a checkup, which he does I think every two years. And it was not a good checkup. And I was texting with him and told him that we're going to continue to pray for him. And he said, Dad, he said, he said I want you to know that I refuse to stop trusting God. And so he waits in faith that God is working. And sometimes while you're waiting, what you're waiting for is not ready. Other times, you're not ready. Before God does something for us, often he has to do something in us to get us ready. I referenced earlier Joseph in Genesis 37. He's a young man, think, 15, 16, 17 years old, something like that. And he had this promise, a great dream. I'm going to be a ruler. I'm going to be over you, all my brothers. I tell you, that was his first mistake. I have four brothers. You don't tell the other brother, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rule over you. I have three older brothers. I know how that would have gone. But he, he, he kind of like almost tauntingly does that. And mom and dad, by the way, you too. I'm going to rule over you. It's going to be amazing. And then his brothers took him and sold him into slavery. He was marched nude across the desert by some Midian, uh, 
by some traders, I'll say that, gets to Egypt, sold into Potiphar's house, falsely accused, thrown into jail. And then when he gets to jail, he's forgotten there. He does some amazing things. He rises to the top. I wondered if he thought when he was the second in command in the jail, if he thought, this is what God promised. I wonder if there's moments where we're prepared to settle. We don't understand that God's not finished yet. Because if you, maybe you'd ask Joseph that day, as he sat promoted to number two in the jail, in charge of the keys, I don't know what God promised me those so many years ago, but maybe this is it. He shares, he, he interprets some dreams for a couple of guys that worked in, Her, or in Pharaoh's palace. One of them, he, and when they leave, he says, don't forget me. And they stepped into their new position and they forgot him for two more years, forgotten again. And finally, in one day, everything changed because Pharaoh needed a dream interpreted. And there was a man in a prison by the name of Joseph, but more importantly, there was someone in Pharaoh's house who knew Joseph and said, I know a guy. Did anybody have someone in their life that you're less like, they know a guy? You need anything, you just call them, like, I know a guy, don't worry. That was this guy. I know a guy. I forgot about him, and he says, I made a mistake. It actually says to that effect, I made a mistake, I forgot him. Sometimes people can make a mistake. And sometimes we think that it's too much for God, that they forgot us, situation as, you knew my life, all the things. But in a moment, they remembered and they called him, cleaned him up and sat, brought him into the Pharaoh's palace. The dream was interpreted and Joseph rose to number two in the land, only second only to Pharaoh. 37 years, or chapter 37, teenager waiting, now probably around 30 years old, 13 years of waiting, and it was over. One day, one day, that's all it took. Don't waste the waiting. See, the promise of God for Joseph in Psalm 105 and 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, there's a dream from God, not just your dreams from having a pizza. I'm talking about the dream of God, the promise of God for you, for your life, for your family, for the things that you know God has promised you. The Lord tested Joseph's character. While Joseph was waiting for the promise, God was working to prepare Joseph for the promise. God is not slow but sometimes he's slowing us down so that we can become more like Jesus and be ready for what he has for us. And a number of years back, I was laid off from my job and I was on EI. And I was looking for work, madly looking for work. I had two kids, one on the way. And it was very, very challenging. In every place I looked, I would have a few days of work here, help work with this contractor, do this over here, a little here, a little there. But I couldn't find a job it was coming into the time we had to move house. The Lord provided, made a way to find an affordable house. But we still, every month, it was just super challenging. And uh, I finally, I had applied for the jobs that were available, but nothing seemed to work. We lived in a smaller town. Not a lot of opportunities. But I saw one, and I thought, I don't know, this one might work. It was a youth worker for a private social service agency. I applied. Uh, my last EI check was on Wednesday. I had applied to this job. The person called me and said, 
what, asked me my name, and I said, Craig Miller. He said, do you know, and he named one of my brothers. And I said, yeah. He said, I went to university with him. And so when I went into the interview, someone had made the way ahead of me while I had been waiting. Didn't see a way. Got my last check on Wednesday, went to the interview on Friday, started the job on Sunday. Yeah. And when I was waiting, but what God was doing in that time was teaching me to trust him because he knew that later on there were going to be some things and opportunities to trust him again. And that moment when I felt like, God, you haven't seen, heard me. You've abandoned me. I don't know what's going on. I've not, have I done anything? And God says, you just need to wait, son. I've got something for you. For two years, I stepped into just a beautiful season of God being used by God and meeting people and people that are my friends still to this day. But in the moment while I was waiting, I, you might have seen and said, what's going on? Have patience. Choose to trust. God's drawing me close to himself. Don't waste the waiting. Because as you wait, God, know that God is always good. Know that his timing is perfect. Know that you can trust him. As you wait, he is not ignoring you. He has not forgotten you. He is not neglecting you. As you wait, he loves you. As you wait, know the desires and promises that he's given you. And know that he is a promise keeper. In Isaiah 64, 4, it says this, Since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Everybody say wait. Who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Friends, as you wait on God's promises, as you wait on God, if you're a follower of him, you can rest in the fact that God is acting on your behalf. You can rest in the fact that God is moving on your behalf. You can rest on the fact that God is working on your behalf. You can rest on the fact that God is a way maker. You can rest on the fact that God is a promise keeper. You can rest on the fact that he is the one who moves. You can rest on the fact that he is the initiator, that he is the one who does what he said he would do, that he is not surprised by the situation you're in, that if he has promised it, he is faithful and true, and he will do it, that not one word that he promised will fall to the ground. The only one who can stop the promise of God for my life is me. But his, tri his timing is perfect. His will is perfect. He is good. And I, remember, I, I wonder if, like Joseph, if we would have judged Joseph in the middle of his prison time. How did you get there? What did you do? God's forgotten you. Your brothers betrayed you. Your family's abandoned you. Somebody lied about you. God has forgotten you. And we need to be very careful to not make snapshot moments of our life or anybody else's life and say that's the definition of what their life is about. 
Because every one of us have had moments where if you took a snapshot in that moment, you might say, they're a failure, there's no hope for them, they're, God has not seen them, I don't know what they've done, but surely God has forgotten them. But there's a movie of Joseph's life that started when God, before he was born, that God had a plan, God had a purpose for Joseph's life. That when Joseph imperfectly came and said, God has given me a dream, it was true. And as you look through them, the shaping of God through the movie of Joseph's life, and little by little, God was getting him ready and preparing him for what God had already called him to do, that through him, the saving of many lives. In fact, Joseph said this, to his brothers, what you intended for to harm me, God has turned around for good and for the saving of many lives. What would it look like if we looked at our waiting times and said, God is working in the middle of it and what the enemy intended for evil, God is turning around for good and for the saving of many lives. That God is turning around so that he's doing something when I don't feel it, when I don't see it, when I'm not sure of it, when I feel like people have abandoned me, when there's no hope for my life, when I don't know what the future holds, that my God has seen me and he's working when I don't feel it. He's working when I don't see it. He is the God who keeps his promise. And he started in Genesis 3. There is coming the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent, the devil, and will break his power over your life that no longer will you have to fear what the future holds because the God who was and is and is to come is with you. Almost done. But just because God seems silent doesn't mean he's absent. While you're waiting, God is working. Working. While you're waiting, God is working. And sometimes we feel like we've got to work, 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 work. It's the beauty of Christianity. It's not about keeping a bunch of rules and regulations and hoping that by that, that somehow... You're going to improve your life. It means surrendering my life to God. It means the God who initiated. See, most religious systems are about us trying harder, doing enough good to balance the bad so that when it comes to the end of eternity, I'll have enough on the good side of the scale to make the grade. But the beauty is, in Christianity, what Jesus did is he was born not just a baby. He was born a Savior, a Savior, because God sent him in the right time, at the set time, in the fullness of times, at not too soon, not too late, and sent him for all of us, where he lived a perfect life, went to the cross willingly to pay the price for you and for I, for me. And not only did he go to the cross, but we're grateful that he went to the grave and rose, showing us that he's conquered the greatest enemy, death, and made it possible for every one of us to not only to come to God, but also to solve the sin problem for all eternity, for as many as would trust him. It's like any gift at, at Christmas. I can have a wonderful gift, and I can look at it packaged under the tree. That's a great gift. I wonder what Aliche got me. 
It's going to be amazing. And I just look at it. And I leave it there, take the tree down. It's still there. I leave it. It could be an amazing gift. But if I don't open and use it, it's useless to me. No matter how wonderful the heart was behind it to give it to me, it's useless to me until I open and receive it. And then I can use it. And as we reflect on the waiting, well, geez, all eternity we see the story of waiting and then a God coming through, of waiting, and then the God who answers, of waiting, and then the promise kept, of waiting, and then the way made, of waiting. Promise made, promise kept. The one who was and who is and who is to come. It's not about pursuing God, trying to win his favor, save favor. But the beautiful thing is, is that if you know Jesus and you're in a waiting space, the story of Christmas reminds us that God keeps his promises and to rest that he's, just because he's seemingly silent doesn't mean he's absent. He's working while I'm waiting. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He's always on the job. He works the night shift. He's for me. He's working on my behalf. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can rest in that and find peace in the middle of all that's going on because my life is not my own. I'm hidden with Christ in God. I belong to him. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've never surrendered your life to him, maybe you know the Christmas story, you know what it's all about, and Jesus came, a baby in a manger. We just sang about it. It's wonderful but you recognize maybe that you don't know Jesus personally. You know him as a figure in history. But just like if my presence stays under the tree, it makes no difference. If Jesus just remains a figure in history, he will make no difference in your life. It's when we surrender our life to him and say, Jesus, would you forgive my sin, come into my life? I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that you came, that you died, buried, and rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. And I confess that I want to follow you. And you begin a journey of following Jesus. And, and it's a lifelong journey. But suddenly you no longer walk alone. You discover what it is to have God with you. What a beautiful thing. While we were yet sinners, at the right time, God sent Jesus for us. Isaiah says this, she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son to us. While we hated him, at just the right time, Jesus went to the cross for us. While we struggled under the fear of death and anxieties, at just the right time, Jesus rose again to conquer death for us. So if you're a follower of Jesus, you rest in and find peace in the waiting because you have God with you. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're like, I'm not sure that I'm right with God, ABC, I acknowledge, I believe, and I confess. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, believe that Jesus came, died for my sin, and I confess that he is the Lord of my life. I invite you to stand real quick. Just got a few items. We're going to hear from our kids in a moment, and it's going to be wonderful.
just invite you to just close your eyes and give privacy to the people around you. I just want to acknowledge as, as our eyes are closed. And if you're in a waiting time right now, you know Jesus, but you're in a waiting time. And you, and you love it if we pray for you. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front or anything like that. But I want to pray with you from the front and agree with you as you're waiting. Just throw your hand up as you're, I'm in waiting. I'm waiting. Yeah. Keep it up there for I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for a son or daughter to return home. I'm waiting for healing. I'm waiting for reconciliation. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you, God. So, Lord, all the hands that are around the room, Lord Jesus, were reminded at just the right time Jesus came. And so, Lord, I pray into each and every one of these situations. Trust you that at just the right time that you will invade these situations. At just the right time that you will make a way where there seems to be no way. At just the right time you will cause a softening of heart. At just the right time you will do what only you can do. At just the right time, Jesus... I pray that you would surround each one with your love and protection. Protect them from every evil influence of the enemy, every voice of the enemy right now in this season. That their mind will be a quiet place where they hear from Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Peace be still. Trust me. Even when it feels like I'm silent, I am not absent, I am working. Second part of this, if you're not sure that you're right with God right now, I want to pray with you. Say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and begin the journey of following him. Surrender my life. Acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Believe that he came and confessed that he's Lord of my life. I'm going to pray with you. If that's you, you're not sure that you're right with God, that you're at peace with God, just throw up your hand. I'm not going to invite you to come to the front. We'll just want to make sure that we give opportunity for that. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we acknowledge that we are people in need of a Savior, that we are sinners far from you. But we thank you that at just the right time, Jesus came. Thank you that you're calling us. Thank you that you've been patient with us. Thank you that you love us deeply. Thank you that you're inviting us to repent and find our way back to you. So we acknowledge that we need you, Jesus. Confess our absolute desperate need for you. Forgive our sins. Come into our life and be, begin a journey of transformation in us. In the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.